Yes, I do want to introduce to you today, as we finish up our service together, uh, this new series that I'm really excited about. Now, before, before I introduce the series to you, I needed a volunteer to help me today to kind of give you a visual of what we're doing in this series. And I was trying to think of a, maybe a young person who's kind of on the upswing in their spiritual life and feeling really zealous and excited about God. And someone popped to mind. And so I asked Sarah, if you'll come up, Sarah, give Sarah a hand. Make her feel comfortable. She was willing to do this for me. It's Sarah Hardegree. And uh, she's going to uh, help me this morning. So God, why don't you come stand right over here. And um, I got it right, right? You're, you're pretty excited about God right now, aren't you? Yes. Okay, good. She really is. She's starting a Bible study with a friend, and she's just really into it. So, so you love God with all your heart? Well, of course, yes. Yes, and, and you love him because of what he's done for you, right? Yes. Okay. So here's what I want you to do, Sarah. I want you to hold your hands out like this, straight out in front of you, and I want you to pretend like God is, not me, but God is coming to you and saying, thank you for loving me. Would you hold this burden for me? Right? I want you to pretend, of course, yes, because you love him and what he's done for you. So straight out, put them together. I just want you to hold that for God, okay? okay? Okay, while I teach. All right. Okay, so uh, this brand new sermon series that we started, that we're starting today is called Un- Unburdened, Unburdened. So I brainstormed some words that Craig's going to start putting up there that oftentimes describe us. They describe people and, and, and Christian people too. Sometimes, especially Christian people, I think you'll discover, use these words to... Maybe either explain why they are feeling overwhelmed and burdened or they are a result of them being overwhelmed and burdened. They're tough words. These are words that, uh, that I think we ought to ask. And I just want us to ask in this series for this holiday season. Just, this is going to take us through 2021. I want to ask, is this how it should be? Should, should these words be normal for Christians. Now, now I know it's normal to feel this way as a human being, and I know it's normal for us to experience these feelings on the one hand. And and on the other hand, I know it's abnormal for Christians to, like, put on a mask and be happy, happy, joy, joy all the time and pretend like they never experienced these. But on the norm, on the norm, should this be a description of someone who follows Jesus, of someone who has the Holy Spirit of God inside of them, of someone who believes in the love and the gospel of God the Father. So, how you doing over here? It's a heavy rock. It's what? It's a heavy rock, rock, she said. Okay, all right, you hang on, because you love God, right? Okay, so you hold that right there. All right. Uh, so this is real personal subject for me, and, and a lot of you have heard this, but some of you are new, and I haven't talked about this in a while. Part of my journey was when I was a young man, especially in college, I really was starting to learn how to, I wanted to, I wanted to kind of where Sarah is now, I wanted to follow God, I wanted to love him back. And so I ended up taking a job as a youth minister, which was an was awesome opportunity. And I, we had about 12 kids in the youth group, and I just started loving these 12 kids down in Houston, Texas just pouring my life into them and being their best friend and teaching them how Jesus is, you know, loves them, how God loves, you okay over there? 
What's that? It's really heavy. It's starting to hurt yeah. a little? Okay. But you love God, right? Yes. Okay, then just hold it. Okay. Hold it right there. Try harder. Okay. All right. So I was doing that. I was pouring myself into these kids and just loving them. And, and people were telling me, Brian, you're going you're gonna to burn out. Just so you're, I, I was like, whatever. I mean, after my theme song, I've, when I share this story, there's an old devotional song called He Paid a Debt. It's about Jesus's. And, and I'd always, when I reflect back, it was like my theme song that I was operating on inwardly was he paid a debt he did not owe. I owe a debt I could not pay, but doggone it, I got to try. That, that was my, that was driving me after what he's, I've got to try, right? Because of what he's done for me. And so I I remember how God overwhelmed me with that false premise was he just kept doubling our youth group. We went from 12 to 25 to 50 to 80 to 120 to 160, right? It's getting difficult, isn't it? Really tough. How's it feel? Yeah? Yeah? Okay. But you really love God, right? Okay, let me, let me switch it out for this one. All right. Yeah. Arms straight out. All right. Okay, because you really love God. I know you really love him. So you just hold that for him because, yeah, because that's what he's asked you to do. Okay. So uh, long story short, I, I was telling these students that Jesus is their Savior, but I was operating with them as if I should be. Come to me, you know, and I'll, I'll help you out. And it was wearing me out. So there's so many more details, but you get the idea, right? I move forward, and sure enough, just underneath my mask, all these words, probably all these words, any one of these words is too much. All these words were describing me. It would have been great. Oh. I know, I know. Yeah, you love? Yes, okay. So wouldn't it be great? Then let me ask you a couple of questions while you're standing there. So how, how is it feeling? Pretty heavy. Yeah. Can yeah. you keep going? No. You can't? No, it burns. <laughs> how would it feel to just let it go? It'd feel really good. It would? Yeah. Let's see. Go ahead. Drop your arms. Feels even better. It feels good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks, Sarah, for helping me out. Good job. That is the feeling we need and that we want. Um, At the end of that, well, at the end, as I was doing youth ministry that way, and you've got your stories maybe, this one's mine, but I hope it connects with you. I ended up feeling all of these words. I, I was carrying these burdens. Now, it was out of my love and gratitude for God. That was the thing. It was... I would look at the cross and after what he's done for me, surely. And when other people would confront me, I would just hide behind things of you just don't, you're just not very committed. You're just not very grateful for what God's done for you. And I would just keep going. Where'd that come from? Let me just ask you. I had to ask it. Where did that come from? I grew up in the church. I got the message of Jesus, the message of the gospel, the messaging of the church. I grew up under that. Where did I get that? Because if another verse, another statement of Jesus, if I judge a tree by its fruit, and you can judge whether the tree is good or bad by the good or bad fruit, 
then my followership and my followership of Jesus was leading to this fruit. My love for God was leading to that fruit. Then, according to Jesus, the tree is bad. But I, but I had to. Because of what he's done for me. I can't pay him back, but doggone it, I gotta try. Because of what he's done for me. So pause. Whatever the answer to that question is of where that came from for me this Christian kid growing up wherever that comes from in modern Christianity I found its equivalent in ancient Judaism as I was studying this verse that I'm going to introduce this series with so the Jewish leaders by the time of Jesus they they were bound by the law they wanted to follow their Bible that's the Old Testament and it was made up of a bunch of rules that if you followed God, you would live by his holiness code and his purity code and, and his sacrificial system. And you would just do that because of how great God is. And that was normal and that was expected. And they worked really, really hard to keep up with the law of Moses is what it was called. That's the Old Testament. They loved him and wanted to please him. So where... That, so it's the same feeling I got in my Christianity they would have had from their Judaism. And to them, the demands of the law were a burden. That wasn't a bad word. They were a burden that you were supposed to care because you love God so much. And so even though they knew it was a burden, they wouldn't have said that in any kind of negative way. They would have said that as a measure of expectation, as words of positive, you know, that, that we're devout, we're committed to God, and we're supposed to be. So I found this old rabbinical parable in my study of this verse that Barclay set me on to. And it was in the mouths of these rabbis, and they put this old parable in the mouth of a Bible character named Korah. So this is like Korah talking. But it, it captures just how binding and constricting and impossibly burdensome the law was. Even though they knew it was necessary, they, they still would honor in this story how burdensome it was. I want to read it to you and put the Bible verses on the screen that, that demanded these things. So there was a poor widow in my neighborhood who had two daughters in a field. When she began to plow, Moses said, now that means the law, Moses, the law of Moses said, you must not plow with an ox and a donkey yoked together. When she began to sow, Moses said, you must not sow your field with the mingled seed. When she began to reap and make stacks of corn, he said, take not the, the gleanings, the extra gleanings, or what you forget to pick up. Take, take not those, or the corners of your fields. She began to thresh, and he said, give me the heave offering and the thresh and the first and the second tithe. She accepted the ordinance and gave them all to him. What did the poor woman then do? She sold her field and bought two sheep to clothe herself from the fleece and to have profit from their young to clothe and feed her daughters. When they bore their young, Aaron came. Now this is the demands of the priesthood in this little parable. Aaron came and said, give me the firstborn. So she accepted the decision and gave them to him. When the shearing time came and she sheared them, Aaron came and said, give me the first fruit of the fleece. Then she thought, I, I cannot stand up against this man. I'll, I'll just slaughter the sheep and feed my daughters. 
Then Herod came and said, Give me the shoulder and the two cheeks and the maw. Then she said, Even when I've killed them, I am not safe from you. Behold, they shall be devoted. Then Aaron said, In that case, they belong entirely to me. And he took them and went away and left her weeping with her two daughters. You feel it? Feel that weight that she was under, that these rabbis who are exalting the law as necessary, but they are also honoring what seems to be impossible to keep up with. This story is a parable of the continuous demands that the law made upon the people in every activity, in every action in life. Not only was it a burden to them, it was a burden to keep up with it all. But since it was expected, again, they wouldn't have said it in negative terms. They would not have called these burdens in the negative sense. But Jesus came in, and a little bit later, from the verse we're going to be looking at in the end of Matthew, he did. He called it that. He took that thought, and he made it scripture. He says, they tie up heavy loads and put them on men's shoulders. And he said it in a way that was new, as if that's not right. He's the first one. He said it in a way that was definitively new and definitively against all conventional thought of all those committed, devoted burden bearers. He said it in a way that's not right. So in that, on that ancient Jewish works-oriented backdrop, but also on, you can use mine if you need to, our current Christian works-oriented backdrop, Backdrop that we have adopted with some new language, Jesus' language. Listen to what he says. Just take it at face value and listen to it with your heart. In Matthew 11, come to me. All you who are exhausted and weighted down beneath your burdens. And I'll give you rest. Take my Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Here's the deal. If if your walk with Jesus feels anything like this, if your servitude to Jesus, if your ministry for Jesus, if your life of pleasing God because you're so in love with him, you're so grateful, if, or, or maybe you're doing it to earn that, and if it looks anything like this, if it has ever looked anything like this, according to Jesus' great invitation, you got it wrong. And I can tell you how I did it, and I suspect it's how you did it, how your Christian walk became this. It's because you did what I told Sarah she had to do. Pretend God said. Pretend God said, you love me? Then carry this impossible to hold, this impossible to maintain burden. You've had to pretend that God said that. And it's a trap. It's a trap. Even if you were doing it out of love and gratitude 
and attempted love for others like I was as a young youth minister. I wasn't accepting his offer. And the, the horror in my story is I was telling the kids, the students, I was telling them that come to Jesus, the burden is light, but I was showing them my warped view of it. And remember what Jesus said, when a student is fully trained, they will be like their teacher. They won't listen to him. They'll be like him. In the gospel message, he came to take your burden, not to lay one on you. He couldn't say it more clearly. In the gospel message, if it is not full of rest and ease and lightness, then there is more for you to discover and consider. And that's what I want to cover for the rest of this year. Part of my motivation for doing this series, to finish out this year, is this fall, we've, we've been covering perhaps some heavy things. And the gospel, it, it can handle any of, the heavy, any of the heavy things that come in life. It can handle them. And when you really get into it in a surprisingly refreshing way, But it can be heavy. And so I wanted us to focus on what is it about our gospel that is restful? What is it that is easy? What is it that brings lightness? What relieves us? That's what I want to look at. I want to ask our elders and our ministers, go ahead and move around the room as we finish up. And I want to tell you why I subtitled this The Great Invitation. So this verse in Matthew 11. Y'all know we're a great commission, great commandment church. I've always, well, for many decades I've had that in my, as just epic statements of Jesus. The great commission is what we do, right? The great commandment, love God and love others. That's why we do it. But I I found this verse and when it jumped off the page a few years ago, I go, "This this should be monumental as well. I think it's the great invitation, Right? It's even before the other two. Matthew 11, Matthew 22, Matthew 28. You know? And I looked it up online and it's not original to me. There's a lot of people that have called it the great invitation. And that made me actually happy. Because it deserves that kind of prevalence. Because if this is not what you're experiencing and this is not what you're delivering to others in how you are and how you operate, then there is more of Jesus' gospel for you to receive. It's supposed to be restful. Rather than be overwhelmed by the burdens of life, we are invited by Jesus to the greatness of God in a way that is restful and easy and light. So there's a verse that came to me last night and I emailed it to myself that I wanted to finish with. It's got to be one of the most ironic verses in Scripture. It's It's in Hebrews chapter 4. You read that chapter, like the first 11 or 15 verses in there, you'll find the word rest like 20 times. Just in that, that's a great, a great homework assignment. But there's one verse in there, verse 11, where it says you are supposed to, you're supposed to make every effort. It talks about making every effort. And you know what it says to make every effort to do? It says make every effort, everyone, to enter his rest. It's so ironic. It says, yeah, you're supposed to have effort in this thing. If you want to exert yourself in effort, then you make every effort to enter his rest. Because it's from that place of restfulness that we can engage all those words that are normal. 
that are going to come. We don't have to pretend like they're not. We can authentically engage them from a restful place, a place with his yoke upon us, not the one we pretended God came to give us. You with me for this series? Do you need it like I do? We're going to celebrate that. So let's stand and let's thank God in this song and proclaim his greatness and be in awe of how, of how easy and restful his yoke is. Let's sing.